What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the GoVols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker, Ryan Callahan, Patrick Brown, coming to you from across the Knoxville area. I'm here at Fort Rucker Studio, Ryan Callahan at Callahan Castle, Patrick Brown over at uh, his undisclosed location across town. And uh, we're coming at you with another, I don't want to call it a breaking news edition of the podcast, guys, but it's a, um, it's newish news. I don't know what the exact phrase would be here. Because uh, it's not, when we're recording this on Thursday morning, because this news happened uh, late Wednesday night and there was no really sense to do a midnight-ish or whatever podcast. But uh, the bottom line here, the important thing is that Tennessee football has its 874th commitment of the 2021 class. And this is yet another big player. Ryan, what's going on? Yeah, another big pickup for Tennessee. Uh, four-star athlete Cayman Marley of, uh, of North Carolina picking the Vols on uh, on Wednesday night. They beat out uh, primarily North Carolina and Kentucky for him, but you know Ohio State and some other big programs had also offered. So uh, Florida had offered. So this is clearly a talented guy and, and highly ranked. So uh, impressive pickup again for Tennessee going into the state of North Carolina, which is absolutely loaded in the 2021 20, class. They've now got four uh, commitments from that state and uh, continue to Fill up this class uh, by the end of the spring, almost uh, already up to up to 23 commitments, uh, just short of 874. But you know, certainly approaching that, as you said. So uh, yeah, Tennessee really just just adding adding to what what has been a remarkable run the past few weeks, and uh, and this time adding another another versatile guy who could fit into a few different spots and uh, and a highly ranked guy to to continue to improve this number two ranked class. And for the full details on this, guys, Cayman Marley, uh, spelled K A E M E N, uh, last name Marley just like Bob Marley or uh, I guess Ziggy Marley if you're um, a, a, one of the younger crowd. Uh, six foot two, 206-pound athlete from Eastern Randolph High School in Ramsher, North Carolina. I'd never heard of that high school before we did this podcast recording. Uh, rated 146 overall uh, in the 24-7 sports composite, 247 sports composite. He is the fifth athlete, uh, number five rated athlete, eighth ranked player in the state of North Carolina. Uh, another big-time player and Pat, when when you watch this kid's film here, he's another one of these guys that looks like he could play any one of several positions. I mean, this kid more than most. I see maybe four or so potential positions this kid could play. What do you see from film? Yeah, I I do. I agree with that, Wes. It's it's um, you know we we have him classified as an athlete, and that is pretty spot on. You watch his film; he's playing wide receiver. He's sometimes lining up at running back and getting the ball. Uh, down near the goal line. Uh, he's playing deep safety. He's coming up and, and making plays like a linebacker. Um, he's a he's a big kid. I'm not sure about the competition level, but um, he's one of the bigger guys on the field um, for, for his team and, and uh, with who he's playing against. But uh, when you watch him play offense, uh, I, don't, I don't know where I saw this, uh, but somebody mentioned Juwan Jennings with him, and you see a little bit of that. He's tough to tackle after the catch. High points the ball really well, jump ball target. Uh, throw a lot of back shoulders, a lot of fades to him um, uh, with this quarterback that got at his high school. That's got long flowing hair out the back of his helmet. I have to point that out. Uh, and I told y'all beforehand I would do that. So some sweet, um, some sweet lettuce. Yes. And, 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 and Marley's going up and, and using his body, using his frame, uh, kind of like a power forward going for a rebound uh, kind of fits that mold a little bit. Uh, safety. You, you see a lot of the things that you hear Jeremy Pruitt talk about in terms of what he wants in a defensive back. Uh, mainly the ball skills. There's a few interceptions on his uh, huddle tape. He, he's back there playing center field, tracking the ball in the air well. Um, and, and as Pruitt likes to say, if you're intercepting passes on Friday nights, then you'll do it on Saturdays. It's not like you'll get to college and 
uh, if you didn't intercept passes in high school that all of a sudden it'll you magically just start doing it in, uh, in college. So um, that that's the first thing that that I kind of look for when whenever uh, we're talking about a, a defensive back that Tennessee takes. But um, yeah, and you see him, you know, he comes up the line, he, he's physical, he, he tackles well. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they um, <clears throat> what they ultimately determine to do with Marley in terms of what position and what side of the ball they want to play him on. Yeah, Ryan, when you look at at this kid. I you know, we know that Pruitt and his staff, we've talked about this ad nauseum now for three classes. They like taking these kind of versatile type athletes. And, and when I look at Marley, I think it's important to note that the, the position Tennessee's coaches see him at is much more important than, than what I see him at or what any of us on this podcast see him at. But uh, to me, it looks like if you played a 4-3, he might make a nice kind of outside, you know, weak side linebacker type player. But in a 3-4, I don't if he moves well enough to play safety that that's good but if he doesn't I'm not so sure that this kid isn't going to have to drink a whole lot of muscle milk and become an inside linebacker. Yeah, well and important to to note that Tennessee already has a couple linebackers in this class who are similarly built uh in some cases even smaller, you know, Terrence Lewis is a is a 200 pound or so guy right now. Uh you've got Aaron Willis, another one who's just over 200 pounds. So Marley's actually a little bit taller than both of those guys, uh, although our current listing I don't think is completely verified. I think he is a, maybe a shade over six feet at least. So that, that's that's good enough size and a big enough frame that, A, I don't think he'll have much trouble adding some weight if that's what he needs to do, and B, uh, you know, I think he's certainly uh, just just as well off as those guys, like Terrence Lewis and, and Aaron Willis in terms of playing linebacker. You know, we talk about all the time you need athletic linebackers in, in today's game. Uh, you need you need guys who can cover a lot of ground and and keep up with tight ends and receivers and coverage and uh, that that's that's what today's game has become. So it's important to have those types of linebackers. So if that's where he ends up, you know I don't think Tennessee's got room to just load up on linebackers. But um, you, you just you, you got to take those guys when you can get them. And he's obviously a really good player that's going to help them somewhere. So you know if he if he didn't help there, he's obviously a guy who likes playing offense and you know, maybe would, would love to be a sort of a jumbo receiver. Uh, you know, I, so, someone even suggested uh, uh, yesterday that maybe he could be an H-back type. You know, I, I don't know. Best it, it's, position in football. It's it's conceivable. I, I can't rule out anything with him, but I do think defense is where, when I see him on film, I see more that leads me to think his, ups, his upside is on defense. Um, he might be a tweener in some ways right now, but wherever he settles in, what whatever his body naturally does, I think he just sort of, figure out a spot for him on defense. You know, we've seen the staff talk about playing some bigger guys at the nickel spot. You know, I wonder if they could even try to force him into that type of role. If he could, if he could do some of the coverage responsibilities well enough, that's something to maybe consider, but I, I think linebacker is a more comfortable fit. I just love the way he hits and the way he pursues on defense. I think that makes defense make the most sense. I agree with that. But now that you've uh, tossed out the possibility that someone said he, he could maybe be an H back, <laughs> I might have to change my answer because every, as everyone knows, um, you know, there are two offenses in football. There are kinds that have, uh, that, that have fullbacks and H backs. And then there are sissy offenses. Those are the two types of offenses in football. And uh, it's the best position on the field. If he could do that, I'm on board for that. Uh, but in all seriousness, Pat, when, you know, Ryan mentioned this a little bit, this kid, and I think you mentioned it too. He plays at the two A level in North Carolina. Uh, you can see on his film, and and again, film just tells you a little bit. It gives you a snapshot, not the full picture. Um, but he's not facing a lot of guys who are nearly as big as him. And and when they are as big as him, he's obviously faster than they are. 
How much of a concern is that for you when you're when you're watching film? Because I can think of I can think of why it might be a concern, but then again, I can tell you that you know, just recently, Daniel Batuli at Tennessee played at 1A high school football in Tennessee, and he was fine. Randall Cobb played, I think Alcoa was even 2A back then uh, when he played for the Tornadoes. So so he turned out just fine for Kentucky at the NFL level. Pat, when you're watching this, how much does that kind of, you know, Eric Gray comes to mind also as a guy who kind of burned a lot of weaker competition. What do you think when you look at this? Well, I, I think when, you, when you're watching guys and you're wondering, you know, if, if this guy's the looks like the biggest guy on the field. He's as biggest on the offensive lineman. But um, if he looks like sort of a man among boys, then I think that's okay. And, and you mentioned Daniel Batuli. He looked like, I mean, it looked like it was uh, a college player playing with the JV squad. I mean, yeah. that's just kind of what it looked like. It looks a little bit like that with Marley. It almost looks like sometimes uh, the game is just too easy for him. Like he, he's scoring touchdowns where he basically jogs the last 10 yards. Um, these guys are just bouncing off of him, trying to tackle him. Uh, when he's got the ball in his hand. So, um, and, and I just watched one play where he comes uh, across the field as a, as a safety and just shoulders a poor kid into the sideline. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's what you want to see, though. If, 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 if you have a guy that's sort of playing well above maybe his competition level, you, you want to see sort of that dominance and sort of some of those, some of those like wow plays. Uh, and you see those with Marley. You see some things that, that he does that, um, make you think that it, he, he could be a good player against any competition. Um, and, and certainly uh, you mentioned Eric Gray, you know, it, it, it took him a little while to get going, but um, you know, once, you know, he, he obviously looked pretty good against some, uh, some power five competition late last season. So um, that, that's not necessarily a, a, a red flag for me, uh, especially if a guy's got uh, an 11 minute film, an 11 minute highlight tape where he just looks like, far and away the best player on the field and and of course all these high school guys a lot of them for the most part unless you're coming from a powerhouse you're going to be your best player uh the best player on the field but uh with marley it looks like it's he's the best player by a by a big distance and and he shows it and uh that's what you want to see with guys like this that are maybe playing small uh against smaller level uh high school ball you know, speaking to people who dominate competition, uh, we at Go Vols 24-7 have a podcast, and that podcast needs a commercial break. So we're going to step away quickly for just a moment. Uh, we're going to pay some bills, listen to some uh, products and, and services and in-house ads and all those other fun things. We're going to come back, and we're going to continue discussing uh, Tennessee's newest commitment, uh, North Carolina athlete Cayman Marley. Hashtag ad. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Uh, you know, we're still not reading uh, those uh, those ads ourselves. I think we'll probably will at some point. But whatever it was, I- I'm sure it was great. It was probably a really good product or service or in-house ad. Quickly, before we move on, I do want to mention this, guys. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to it for free. We're, we're happy to do that. We No problem at all. We enjoy... We have a paid website, but we like doing some free stuff too, and and one of these free things we do is the podcast. However, there's only one thing we ask in return. Please go in and rate and review this podcast. Uh, We have asked this for a couple weeks now, and I can tell by the numbers, y'all have really answered the call on this. A lot of you have done this. We really, really appreciate it. Please keep doing it. There's absolutely nothing you can do that will help this podcast more than rating it and reviewing it. So click on whatever stars you think it's worth, hopefully five, but if not five, hey, we're, we're open to criticism, constructive criticism as well. Give us whatever uh, rating you think we are and then review it. Write a nice little paragraph there. You can be like, you know, I wish there was a video component to this because these are handsome guys. Whatever it is that you want to say, uh, go in there and do that. So please, please, please go do that. Uh, we've, we, we've, for a long time, we've needed these reviews because they're, they're really, really helpful. And, uh, we've not done our job in terms of asking for them enough. So please go out there and do that. We're going to transition it back into talking about Cayman Marley, Tennessee's newest commitment, 24 seven sports ranks him, uh, as the number 18 overall prospect in the country, uh, 18 overall athlete prospect in the country, uh, 24 seven sports composite has him 146 overall and the number five athlete prospect in the country. Ryan, I want to go back to you on this uh, in terms of this class size at what point does this thing start to become cumbersome as a class or at what point at what number or what time in the calendar do you start to wonder oh do they actually have too many of these or, or do you at all uh, I, I I really don't know that you do at all I, you know in most years maybe a little bit but I, I think people are just so unsure of what to expect in the coming months and that goes for players too you know, that, that's sort of what has played into this whole run for Tennessee. And you, you never know how much of a factor it, it has been and how many of these guys might have committed during this time of year anyway. But I, I think you're, you're clearly seeing a lot of guys, and, and this is true across the country, committing during this time just because they don't know what lies ahead. They don't know exactly when they can resume visits. Um, we know there's, uh, you know, players will be allowed to be back on campuses soon to resume voluntary workouts, but there's still a lot that has to be determined about the recruiting calendar coming up, whether they'll play play football at, at high schools this season, all that stuff. So if you if you see football playing uh, being played again this fall, if you see players taking visits again this fall, a lot's going to change because with all that being just sort of put on hold, you got to make up for the spring evaluation period and no summer camp. So you're, you're going to just see a lot change. So I think most years they would maybe worry about it a little bit. This year, I, I mean, I think if they had 30 commitments by the end of June, they wouldn't be that worried about it. I just don't think they're that concerned because they know so much could change and you, you can see several guys that you don't even want to lose decommit. Um, they're certainly hoping that's not the case, but uh, at the very least they know they're going to have some decisions to make later on. That shouldn't be an issue because they'll hopefully get a chance to evaluate all these guys again this fall. And they, they know history says there's always some, some changes in your class along the way that 
this class really hasn't had that yet. They've had one decommitment, and it's a guy who's already back in the class, Isaac Washington. So they're probably overdue some turnover, and it'll, it'll happen at some point. It just may not be till later. Pat, how important is it that Tennessee's getting back into North Carolina and doing some good things there? I mean, I know that that uh, with Jay Graham there, obviously Tennessee's got some some connections uh, in that state. Uh, Tennessee, historically, uh, when it has gone to North Carolina and gotten players, that's been a, a pretty pretty big part of Tennessee's success over the years going into Carolina, Virginia, those areas. And, and right now uh, you, you've got, you know, UNC is having its best recruiting cycle and forever it seems like they're doing a lot of really big things there in chapel hill obviously Dabo, we all know what's going on at clemson south carolina is still a factor in that way um how important is it for tennessee to to get back in there and to be good in that state uh it is important because it's i mean it's just it's, it's two hours down the road and you're in western carolina so it, it's close by it's within um it's it's an easy drive for the most part i know there's some parts over in the uh, the further you get uh, in the eastern part of the state, that trap seems to drag on a little bit. But um, it's definitely within the radius, you know, of of where Tennessee can recruit. That has, you know, that in this particular class has a lot of talent. I mean, you, you look at this class. I don't know how many four stars there are in it, but uh, North Carolina's class is built on a lot of in-state commits. Uh, you mentioned Clemson; they've got the top-ranked player in the state on the composite, and Will Shipley. Uh, Tennessee is still after a couple guys um, in, in the top 10 uh, on the defensive line and Peyton Page and uh, Javari Ritzy. But, um, yeah, they've, they've got four commitments now um, from North Carolina. And I was looking at the, at the roster on uh, Wednesday night, and, and they've only got three player, three scholarship players on the roster from North Carolina. They didn't sign anybody from there in, uh, in, in, in the 2020 class. So I think it's clearly a, a state that in, in this particular cycle was um, what was a point of emphasis for Tennessee to try to get in there and get some guys and they've gotten Marley, they've gotten Jalen Wright, Colby Smith, um, and, and Brian mentioned Isaac Washington, who, who just got a, a bump from, uh, from our 24 seven sports analyst. So, um, and, and Jay Graham is, is paying off there. He's from North Carolina. Uh, that's, uh, that's obviously a state that he has a lot of ties to, and, um, he, he's making his presence felt, uh, by helping Tennessee get in with some of these guys and, and land some of these guys. And, as I mentioned, they're still chasing a couple of the of the top ten guys, uh, and what's really a, it's it's really a loaded year for the state. You know, we've seen that with uh, Tennessee from time to time. We'll have uh, one of those those years where they just seem kind of loaded, and um, I think Tennessee at, in, in in moments has taken advantage of it. And, and now with North Carolina right across the border, they're they're trying to get in there as well and uh, get some good players. Well, uh, at one point I was going to make on that too. That Tennessee, I mean, normally is pretty active in North Carolina. You see a decent amount of offers, but just to emphasize the talent that's there this year, Tennessee has offered uh, had offered the most players so far in the 2021 class in Florida, and the second most is uh, in Georgia. The state with the third most offers from Tennessee this year is North Carolina with 37. That's a staggering number for that state. Normally that might be in the 20s. Uh, at best. So for, for Tennessee to have offered that many guys in North Carolina, uh, more than in Texas, a, t- a state that's always loaded with talent, uh, more than in Tennessee, a state that's probably produced a little more talent than North Carolina year after year in recent years, or at least very similar numbers, uh, North Carolina is ahead of Tennessee. So for that to be the case shows you it's a banner year that in that state and Tennessee obviously wants to be taking advantage of Jay Graham and the other ties that it has to that state. Yeah, Ron, that's all I was going to ask you next is about Jay Graham. Uh, just, just how, how kind of important has he been to add for this program and, and is he already starting to kind of, kind of dig in there recruiting well, recruiting wise as well as a lot of people thought he would. 
Yeah, I, I think so. It's it's hard not to be impressed by really a, a handful of the guys on Tennessee staff. You go to the SEC recruiter rankings on 24-7 sports, and uh, it's, it's Tennessee, 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 Tennessee at the top uh, because of where they are with their class right now being number two nationally. But uh, but Jay Graham is, is is the primary or secondary recruiter for five guys in this class, I believe. And, uh, and, and there's some really good players among them, Cody Brown and uh, and Tyon Evans, obviously the four-star running backs among them. He was a secondary recruiter for Colby Smith. He's sort of the area guy for him. So uh, to add add those guys and and Cayman Marley, that's a that's an impressive group along with Jalen Wright, the other running back. He uh, he landed early, earlier this year. So he's clearly making his presence felt already. Uh, we we kind of saw this from him at, at previous stops. I think he would have had an even better run at Tennessee his first time around. But remember, he was there the final year under Derek Dooley, a year that was definitely not the easiest time to recruit to Tennessee. Uh, and even that year, he had Tennessee finishing second for Derrick Henry and things like that. He had Tennessee in some big-time battles uh, that it just didn't win very many of because of where they were as a program then. So now that he's got more to sell at Tennessee and, and, a, and a staff around him to, to help out a little bit more than he probably had that year, uh, I, I think he's got a really, um, really good chance of being a, a, a pretty high-value uh, recruiter for Tennessee when you look at just the final results. I think he's going to be one of their most active guys every year, and uh, he's showing so far that he's – in a pretty short time made his presence felt pat last thing i think i've got for you when you look at this class and and sort of balance out and, and it's the, admittedly this is a tough question because there are so many guys who could play so many kind of different roles you know whether it's offensively defensively um you know multiple positions on either on either side of the ball when you look at just this, this class do you where do you still see a need do you still see maybe a couple more big guys what what, what do you think this class needs well I, I do look along the line of scrimmage west and, and and the reason is because again you're, you're losing six seven defensive linemen off this roster so that's a position that you definitely need to um, address in this class and uh, i know tennessee's probably got some other targets that they're pushing for there and will continue to push for i remember it's a it's a long way until uh until december until february so uh there, there's a a lot that can and probably will change uh, for Tennessee and for other programs too, and for a lot of recruits too, especially, um, you know, once visits are open back up and, and recruits can be on campus, if, if that it does happen in the near future. Um, but then, you know, you look on the offensive line, I think you always need about three or four of those guys. And right now I think they have one uh, committed uh, in, in Colby Smith. Um, and so I think that's a position where you can continue to maybe uh put an emphasis, put a focus of your Tennessee to kind of make sure that your, your numbers are good there. Cause um, th those are positions along, along the line of scrimmage that uh, you have to have good quality there and you have to have good uh, quantity there. You have to have good numbers there. And, and, you know, it wasn't too long ago that Tennessee's numbers on the offensive line were, were significantly bad. Um, and so they've come a long way uh, on that position group and you need to continue to maintain, especially when you're going to be losing some guys Um uh, off your offensive line this season too so you need to continue to add to sort of that that young promising core that uh that that i think they have on, on campus with some of these guys that they've added in the last couple of classes but uh yeah I, if you're if you're moving forward and obviously i'm sure ryan you'll you'll get hundreds and if not thousands of questions about the numbers and how many tennessee can sign and uh, I'm, I'm sure you'll get blue in the face telling people that long way to go a lot of stuff can and will change but um if you're tennessee with with rest of this class maybe if there's other spots they i think they need to address uh, I, i'm always going to go back to the offensive and defensive line particularly uh on the defensive line where they need to add a few more uh quality quality guys there to help replenish some of the the depth and some of the numbers they're going to be losing there after this season ryan anything yeah, yeah no, go ahead ryan 
Well, no, I was just gonna say, yeah, you're still looking for for really guys at every position group still, even though they look full at some positions, they're still recruiting guys at every position group. So I can't stress to people enough just how early in the year it is. I mean, there are always guys that you that you discover during the spring evaluation period during the summer, often guys who end up being borderline five stars or top 100 guys like they, they went undiscovered this spring in a lot of cases. There might be guys out there committed to FCS schools and lower level FBS schools that are, are going to blow up this fall because nobody found them in the spring and summer the way they normally would. So with that being the case, there there really is just going to be so much that changes and schools are going to have buyers remorse on some of these guys they have committed. Uh, you never know how that's going to play out. I don't think Tennessee knows right now how it's going to play out, but at the end of the day, they've got plenty of time to sort out the numbers. And uh, we say it all the time. People get tired of hearing it, but it really is true. The numbers have a way of working themselves out. When the, when the numbers start to get stacked out of position, players often get antsy and start to look around other options because they know their position group is not going to lead to or not going to offer as friendly of a path to early playing time. So things like that always take uh, are taken into consideration by players. Schools figure it out. So it, it, it'll sort itself out in the coming months. Ryan, last thing before we go, in terms of uh, people keeping the head, head on a swivel right now, because you never know what's going to happen with this Tennessee recruiting class, it seems like it's, hey, they're going to get a commitment a day here. Uh, anything going on in the next few days, next week or so, anything people need to keep an eye on? Well, definitely one announcement that we know is coming up, but it might not be good news for Tennessee, and that's Junior Colson, the four-star in-state linebacker. He's announcing on Sunday. Uh, most people agree Michigan is the favorite there. You know, it's been mostly a Michigan-Tennessee battle down the stretch, and I think the Vols have made that one pretty interesting at times. You know, he was tweeting a lot uh, with eyeball emojis and things like that when, when Tennessee was getting all these commitments recently, so they clearly have had his attention, uh, but a lot of people close to, uh, close to Colson uh, wouldn't mind seeing them at Michigan. And, and I certainly think that they should be viewed as the favorite going into that announcement. Um, you know, there's some other guys closing in on decisions with not any specific dates mentioned yet, but certainly, you know, Trinity Bell, it's worth noting that he mentioned, he named his final two earlier this week, uh, Tennessee and Auburn hasn't mentioned a decision date yet, but I, I certainly think he's getting closer to doing something. So you could see someone like that, make it, make a decision soon. Uh, and there are some other guys who are still open to making decisions fairly soon. And then another one, a couple weeks down the road, but Javari Ritzy, a four-star defensive lineman that's been a North Carolina Tennessee battle I think recently with South Carolina also in it uh, another one Tennessee looks like they're trailing in but still battling hard to try to change his mind and uh, and, and try to beat out North Carolina in that one so still some things that, that are likely to happen in the coming weeks and and you never know there always could be some others who are closing in on decisions during this time especially if the dead period gets extended further it's already running through the end of June I think the NCAA will decide next week whether this will extend further so if you see the dead period get wiped out through the end of July uh, I think that could end up speeding up some kids' processes, too. I think that's a pretty good place to leave it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Wes. And you know what? Thank you all for listening, too. Guys, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan's Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. You can also go to twitter.com slash govals 24-7 for Tennessee-only news. Or you can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 for Tennessee-only news. Or if you want to go directly to the source, that delicious East Tennessee Mountain spring water that is not, does not have COVID in it. It is, it is free of all that. You can go to govals247.com. Got all kinds of good deals right now. And I'm telling you, I mean, when you look at these numbers, the number of content items we have per day, per week, per month during this 
uh, during this quarantine period. I, I just, I'm really proud of the guys, man. Everybody has done their job. It's been awesome. So go check us out there at GoVols247.com. Uh, and again, please, please, please go rate and review this podcast. Uh, if nothing else, guys, we will see you uh, here in the next couple of days, I'm guessing. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.